Welcome to Design Your Life in Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Leanne, how's it going? I'm really good, Javon. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Glad to have you on the show today. You know, this question I ask every guest because I feel like you would introduce yourself a lot better than I would. So who is Leanne Lai Lacaba? So Leanne is a crazy person, as one would always <laughs> describe someone who chooses entrepreneurship as a career. So <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> It's true. I started this whole journey when I was 15. I started out as a freelance writer, basically been work from home for my whole life. And then I found out this crazy thing of like, hey, I can do this online without having to go to an office. And no one will ask me my age because, you know, it's all online. I didn't have to tell them I was not 18 yet. So I basically started there, started getting gigs left and right of like a graphic gigs or video editing gigs, almost anything in content, really, I would just grab. And then went through a pretty uh, life-changing super storm where it was super typhoon, category five, like 255 kilometers per hour landfall. Got to the point where it was filling up our house where I was sadly still on the first floor. Made sure everyone was safe. I'm the eldest of four. So very much the eldest sister, also Asian guilt mixed in there. So then I was making sure everyone was safe before Going back, getting groceries because we didn't know how long we were going to get stuck in the water, basically, that started going into our house. As it got to the point where it was neck high, I was like, I'm going to die. So then I had the, that usual, you know, people say that your life flashes forward when you're about to die. Flashback, my forward, basically. Um, at that point, I was 18 years old. I was about to enter my third year of college. And I saw my life forward of kind of the plan my mom and I had, which at that point was finish college become a lawyer, work overseas, bring the bacon home, basically. And I I remember that feeling until now. It's been almost 10 years later of just hating that. I didn't want that to be my life. So I made a promise to myself that if somehow I got out of it alive, I was going to change and follow writing and pursue that. Till this day, I have no idea how I got out of our first floor. For some reason, my only memory is calling my brother, giving him the grocery. I have no idea up to this day how I was able to get to the second floor, even though the water was filling up fast. And since then, yeah, kind of changed a lot of... Wait, did you say you gave him groceries while you were swimming? Yeah, I think I had it in my head uh, because I was really good at balancing. Ballerina background. One hand had uh, candles. The other one had, I think it was my phone. Um, and then I had like a matchbox in my mouth. Spit out the matchbox scream from my brother. He came running and he was like, oh crap, you're about to drown there. Gave him everything else that I had. And then, yeah, since then kind of been choosing that crazy entrepreneur life of then figuring out, okay, how can I sell you no know, books online? How can I sell you know, other people's books? Or, you know, I've started creating book subscription boxes for every single month. I would send people like cool things. So I started like in this trajectory of figuring out what I can do online and not have to be tied down to an office or anything else. And part of that was stumbling onto a remote job. First full time that I got of being an editor, which as a bookworm is everyone's dream to be an editor for a publishing company because you get paid to read. And then found a mentor through that. I basically, a few years in that job, the 
founder, big white guy uh, from Seattle was like, okay, we're changing companies. You know, the current managers are going to lead those companies and we need someone to lead the publishing company. And I raised my hand. I was 19 years old, almost 20. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. I need interpreter training anyway. Became CEO a year later, uh, ran that for about three years. And then when I was 23, I really wanted to start something from scratch. Like I've done all of these other side gigs, anything that could land on my lap. And I wanted to start a service business from scratch because I really got to the point where it became a full circle moment for me where people started asking me like, hey, how did you do it when you were working from home when you were 15? And I was like, I want to create a business that creates jobs for Filipinos so they don't have to, you know, go overseas because my dad had that life path of he could only go overseas to be able to provide a really good, you know, life for us. So I want, yeah. You got a lot there. So in order for people to understand all of this stuff, tell everyone where you're located. <laughs> I'm from the Philippines. So it's like, you know, 11 p.m. at my point here in the world. It's crazy times. <laughs> <laughs> right. And just so y'all get a feel for that, I'm located in Houston, Texas. It's 10 a.m. here. It's 11 p.m. there. So we are literally around the world right now. So <laughs> I just wanted to make sure people had context to it because we're here in typhoons and all this flooding and everything. And like 15, what about child labor laws? So I wanted to make sure people understood what was happening here. <laughs> Yeah, we still have child laws, so. <laughs> right, yeah, away. well, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> but you found a, a loophole. You said, you know, if I do this digitally, they won't ask me for my age. You started at a very young age, 15 years old. That is super impressive. But what, like, you've done a lot of things in such a short span of time. And I, when I think of entrepreneurship, like, you embody everything. But what keeps you going? I guess it's, you know, from almost like I having my life cut short. I know for a lot of it, like in my early 20s or my mid 20s, I'm now 27. So I, I think I'm in my late 20s now. It doesn't feel real. I think a lot of it is making a difference. It's making sure that if I do pass, like I pass with people saying like, oh yeah, she made a difference here. She was able to do something here. That was kind of where it started. But now switching into going over like post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety and depression, I got to the point where I want to build something. I want to build a life where other people can now see this like, hey, this is an option. This is something you can do. This is, you know, if a 18-year-old traumatized Filipina can do it, like I can build that for myself as well. 100%. I mean, you've gone through, like you said, you've gone through these traumatic events and, you know, you used to have this negative thing where it's like, man, just going through that life crisis where you almost died was a thing that propelled you. And now that you're in success, right? Well, let's first, let's tell people what your success is. What is your business that you're doing now? Because you run a publishing company, you know, you've done all these things. What's your focus now? So now I have my, I can't call it that baby anymore. It's basically a toddler, 2XU, which I've been running for the last three and a half years, I think now. Basically started October 2019. And it's basically a executive assistant outsourcing company. We've also now built a whole operating system behind it. So aside from getting an executive assistant, you also get like uh, databases and assets and systems built into your business based on what you need. And it's been my fuel. It's been everything that I've been crazy mad woman about in the last couple of years. <laughs> so do you still do the publishing as well? I'm sorry, I didn't let you finish that story. No worries. I still do consulting. Like it's 
one of our sister companies now, I basically partnered with that boss, that mentor that I got. I was like, you know, I want to start my own business. And like, you're older, so you probably know more. So I just want to partner with you so I get all the shortcuts. <laughs> Absolutely smart. So what has that mentorship meant for your career or your entrepreneurial journey? Well, a lot of it was that sadly at the point of my life, sometimes still, I had just a lot of anxiety about everything. I would overthink. I would not end up pushing something just because I was too, quote unquote, shy. I was just scared to do it. But having that mentor who, jokes aside, he is like, I think he's, when I met him, he was like 47 and I was like 22. So he had like like a lot of years ahead of me, basically double of my life. But then and we make that joke all, all the time. But he was able to be that calm of like, no, he'd always be like, I've gone through worse. I've lived in my car and they, in the U.S. where it's freezing cold and I'm here now. I'm like, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> so it just gave me that sense of calm and like, okay, someone else knows what they're doing and I might not for now, but I can have that, I guess just that solidarity that I can figure it out that he has, he knows parts of what he's doing. A lot of it we figure out together, but it's that I call him my American dad, which is always a funny inside joke because he's like six foot two and I'm 4'11". So when we do talk on stage, it's like a funny, like uh, imagine your pointer finger and your thumb together, that's us. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it's become that, that partnership. So <laughs> yeah, it's been amazing. Well, <laughs> your point of finger in your thumb. Well, I guess he pointed you in the right direction, right? I'll go along with that analogy. That's funny. <laughs> Perfect. So you have this outsourcing company and you have an OS. Tell us a little bit about that OS. How do you embed it into someone's company? So we call it the 2XU Business Operating System or 2XU Boss, which I found really, really cool when I made that up. It's basically a collection of all of the books that I've read in the last like 10 years about business, which is like a combination of like the book Emoth, Shraction. Uh, there's a really amazing book called 24 Assets by Daniel Priestley. I basically grabbed what they would say you should have in your business. Like for example, creating your own vision statement, your mission statement, your org chart, your marketing strategy, your content calendar, blah, blah, blah. I put that all into like a checklist and what are EAs and someone we call like online business manager does is they'll go through our clients current assets what they currently have and then okay now from here we can either improve or we can start building like all of the other assets to you know support this so it's kind of a lot of what we now serve and do and focus on because then it's easier for the ea to start running that client's business because they now have like the operating systems behind them to actually do it wow that's pretty awesome that's pretty dope well, talk about intelligent, man. That is awesome. So, <laughs> so for the folks that's listening, it's like, man, I don't even know what an EA does. Like, so how does someone know when they should hire like an executive assistant, virtual assistant? So I always say that, you know, that you need to hire once you have a career-caring way to make money. Like it's whenever people just like, oh, I just need a freelancer. Yeah, sure. You can get a freelancer, but that person won't be loyal to you. They won't grow with you in your business. They'll only be for that specific problem that you're trying to solve. But once you have a recurring revenue where you're making money, you're figuring it out, then you should probably be hire a virtual assistant because they can take away the things that you should probably shouldn't be doing in the first place. Like, of course, there's typical like calendar management or inbox management. There's like managing your clients to follow up with them, things like that. Anything that's taking you away from actually showing up in your business, those are things that a virtual assistant can do for you. Anything that's specialized, you should probably have a freelancer do, but most of the general work that again, you don't have to be doing, doing a little bit of assessment of yourself, just delegate that to an assistant. 
Gotcha. And then does that OS that you implement, does that help me decide what task I should be given to them? Kind of yes and no, because automatically most of our clients say like, hey, I need someone to document like the systems in my business. And that's essentially what the OS does. But to know what things right off the bat an EA can do for you, it's looking at the 10 things that you're doing in a single day and looking at, okay, where do I suck at? And where would someone who would actually love doing this, where would actually thrive? So most of the time people say like, hey, I'm great at marketing, but I'm, you know, I suck at admin or I'm great at admin, but I suck at marketing. So it's looking through that lens of the thing that you hate doing right now, someone else would love doing and learning more about. So delegate that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big advocate for delegating stuff. I mean, in my business, I have a team of VAs because I know I hate admin stuff. I want to focus on my zone of genius. You know, I'll create like an SOP. You know, I'd always recommend that my clients, you know, write down as they're doing it, what they don't love, what they suck at, what they don't have time for. Right. And then they can pass that stuff off. But with your VAs, with your history, do you recommend that someone creates like that SOP standard operating procedure to pass it off before bringing in that virtual assistant or it doesn't matter? It's a very much chicken and egg situation for sure. What I've always recommended is start with documenting just even video, like just loom or video yourself talking through like, hey, this is how I'm doing this. And then you can give it to an assistant because then you are able to test, can someone else understand what I'm talking about? Or is it just me? You know, I've created too many shortcuts in my head of how I'm doing it. Because that's a mistake a lot of people do. It's like, oh, it takes me like five minutes to do this one email. Why is it taking you an hour? because they don't have the shortcuts that you do. So it's once you record and then you see like what the EA understands or the assistant understands, you'll be able to correct yourself like, oh, okay, this is now how we can do it moving forward. It's then streamlining that. So you don't always have to rely on the shortcuts they have in your head. Got you. So when you get these requests for people to bring a VA in, like what's the craziest thing you've been asked to have a VA do from your team? I don't think it's the craziest. It's always though the funniest is whenever we get clients who are asking like, hey, can my EA take care of my dating? <laughs> what? We had a couple of people succeed. So not a lot of people know this, but you can, of course, give your Tinder or your Bumble or whatever app you're using to your EA. They have the EA swipe a couple of times and then do the follow-up and taking care. And then the EA puts it in the calendar and then they have a date. So <laughs> not the craziest, but funniest. One of any time I see it, because... Part of the process is they'll send us an email like, hey, these are tasks I'm thinking. Sometimes it'll be one of their, can they help me with my dating? I'm like, we have systems for it. That yes, is they can. funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. Wow. Okay. So you heard it here first. You, you can use your VA to book your dating. All right. So don't think that they're useless, right? You make them book your next date. So that's a great use of uh, <laughs> your VA dollars. All right. So when we think about that, like, can you give some examples of some tasks that someone would hire a VA to do? So typical ones are ones I've already kind of mentioned, which is like email management, calendar management. Besides dating, of course. Yeah, besides dating. It's basically managing anything that comes into your attention. So like your social media, things like that. Those are typical ones right off the bat, like engaging, commenting, replying to people's messages to your inbox. And then the other parts of it is like, for example, my assistant's day-to-day is she manages my projects. Like, Across companies, I'll have like five projects per division. Um, so she'll make sure that I'm focused or looking at the right one. So at any time, we just released or releasing this month a whole AI prompt assistant database of like all of the prompts that we've used on ChatGPT so far. So she's making sure like, hey, have you checked the copy yet? Have you 
checked this you know graphic yet do we have the form for this like i've given this to this person can you check it so she makes she project manages me to make sure that i'm focusing on the right things and other parts of that is then she manages the people behind that like other than me she follows up on those people make sure that they know what their focus is other things she does for me is she does a lot of like, client research like before i hop on a sales call I have this lovely summary bullet point of what it is I do, their websites, their Facebook, everything else. So it's easy for me to look. I'm like, oh, okay, these are like a few things an EA can do for them. And then afterwards, she's the one sending the report. She's the one sending the follow-up. She's the one setting all of the other information kits that they need to get started. So it's, like I said, it's looking at the 10 things you're doing in your day, looking at the eight that you can delegate and so you can focus on the main two that actually grow your business. Wow, that's awesome. Does she also offer like ideas for what you can do? Oh, yeah. Or she just follows whatever you want. Okay. I very much told her right off the bat, like, I don't need a yes person. I need someone who can help me move forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like if I'm bringing someone on, I will definitely want their input to get that diverse thinking. I know my VAs, man, they do, they work wonders, right? With copywriting, with outreach, like everything I think I know. They're like, you know what? You ever thought about doing it this way? <laughs> so when you get the right VAs, it is a game changer telling you, like, look into it. If you haven't hired one already, she's already told you when you should hire. You, I know y'all making some money, so think about it. How should they go about finding that right VA when they do say, you know what, this is my time. I'm going to go ahead and get one. So I always recommend to have them focus on three things. People always think that EAs are a unicorn or like, oh, I can hire someone to do my marketing and my sales and my admin and everything else. Have them focus on three things. The reason why you do that is then you are just getting to the nitty gritty of how they work. You know, if you give them something huge in your company right off the bat, they might ruin something, they might break something. So it's better to just have them focus on three main things that you're recurring task in your business. Once you figure that out, then it's figuring out like, do I want someone who is full-time, part-time? You know, how much am I willing to budget for this? Because this is why you need to have recurring revenue already in your business because you can't just hire someone two months and then cut them off of your life that's their livelihood. So kind of putting that into account. And then on finding, there's a lot of resources out there to it included. Um, but of course, if you want to do it one-on-one, -on -one, I always steer people away from Upwork, sadly, just because it's become such a kind of like almost like a toxic relationship for most freelancers. So they don't like being on Upwork as well. I recommend sites like Online Jobs at PH where you can hire a lot of amazing Filipinos or Facebook groups also. You can find a lot of really good people there as well. And then from there, it's then testing. It's then seeing if you guys are a match. I always recommend, you know, having for the first 30 days, having a daily sync where for like 30 minutes in your day, you guys are talking like, hey, these are my priorities for day. What's your priorities? You know, let's sync later on if needed. But it's kind of having that back and forth where you guys are clear what's supposed to be the priority. So it's starting up that journey. And it's not the easiest journey, but it's kind of part of turning yourself from solopreneur to business owner is if you go from owning a job to owning a business with systems and people. Got you. No, that's great advice. And then you even gave some jewels on where to find, including you. So are there like certain questions I should be asking or it just depends? Main thing I always look for is aside from, of course, the hard skills, it's always the soft skills. Like, how do you handle yourself during stress? Like, how would you handle if I gave you too many things and you don't know where to start? It's kind of always testing out like how they would react to certain things just because like you don't know their gauge. They don't know probably how, how it would be like to work with you. So it's giving them that background of like, how would they react with this? Because you know yourself, hopefully. 
and they will be able to understand like what is expected of them. That's the biggest part is having those clear expectations back and forth, what is expected from them and what they also expect from you. Like how do they want to be managed? How do they want to be communicated? Because then that's part of building a relationship. It's not a one sided bridge or else you just will never get there. It's two sided bridges. So it's getting to that part where you connect and like you make sense moving forward. Yeah. And I agree. And then I also would let the audience know that, you know, you may not find the right person on the first try. Like I've gone through a good amount of VAs to find the team that I have now. And then sometimes I've run into where they start off fantastically. And then next thing I know, they're like, they're ghosts. I don't know what happens there. So what are some like pitfalls of bringing on VAs that you've seen? Well, what is one that you've mentioned? I was appalled and flabbergasted the first time that I came across it. It's called the disappearing Filipino trick. And I didn't know that it was a thing until I started hiring myself. And it was more flat because I didn't believe it. I'm like, no, Filipinos won't do that. I was in an interview connecting a freelancer with friend and doing that final interview with them. And all of a sudden, they're out of the interview. And I'm like, that's what it is. <laughs> so that's one. It's just like, if you sadly don't get the right person or you, honestly, on the side of it, it, they do get spooked. Like I know I have times where I get spooked or asking someone for something just because it's part of our culture to be very respectful, very, you know, we will, we will trust our elders or we will follow what our boss says. So it is a little bit just a spook of like, you guys forget, you guys are taller, you guys are foreign, you guys, we've never seen you before, we've never met you before. So there's a little bit of that. We're also taking a risk. And if we put in ourselves into this, that it doesn't turn out, then we just wasted a couple of months with this person who wasn't really a right fit. So that's part of it. So that's one. The other one is you do lose a little bit of, there's always something different when you've met someone in person. Like I'm very lucky that since I'm here in the Philippines, I get to meet up with my assistants once a week and then all of our company once a month because it's a little bit different, but it is possible. Like I did go through, you know, a year and a half during the pandemic of not meeting my assistant just because we couldn't. In that relationship can be developed. And I guess a good third one is they will leave. It's kind of part of everything else, like of life. Is that there will be a point where they're like, okay, I think I've grown enough here. I think I'm going to look for other opportunities or things that I can do. Or it could be like a family thing that they've got, you know, new pressures. We've had employees who got pregnant or their wives got pregnant and they need to, you know, get a higher paying job to be able to support family. So just keeping in mind, it's never personal. That's like, hey, you know, thank you for being here. You know, had fun. Just help me along with finding the next one. It will be good. So things like that. Sounds like the States to me. I mean, <laughs> I work with some people that disappeared too. So it's all good. <laughs> so it's, it's just a cost of doing business, right? So we've covered a lot. And you talked about, you know, how you can leverage a VA. You talked about how you can find a VA. What's the price point that we should be thinking about when we're a fair price point, I should say, for hiring a VA? Thank you for saying fair price point, because a lot of people automatically when they say, oh, it's Filipino VA, you can just pay them a dollar, you know, a dollar or two an hour. But honestly, like that hurts a lot of people who are trying to find a job where they don't have to leave the Philippines. So a good price point for a good VA, maybe someone with experience, maybe someone who's had office experience, but not really directly related to VA, I think a good starting point would about be a 500 US as like a part-time to full-time almost. Then you can start climbing up to 600, 800. A good magical number for us is like a thousand bucks. Once you start them there, then they're like confident, like, hey, I can provide for my family, I can take care, I can focus on just this. I don't need to look for like side gigs or anything else. 
But that's a good, like, if you're just starting out, sure, you can find someone for 500 and then start climbing up from there. Got you. Okay. So $1,000 and that's 40 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Hey, not bad. All right. What's the first position that I know you said EAs, but is there like a certain first position that I should be looking to hire outside of like doing my calendar and stuff? It really depends on someone's business because like I could always recommend, you know, a marketing assistant first because it's a lot of recurring tasks. But for someone who clients, it doesn't make sense. They need someone in operations. They need someone in sales. So kind of thinking of that first of like, what's something that, again, you're not really good at that someone should probably do better uh, or can do better? Or what's something that has been on your list that you know is really important in your business that needs to get done, but isn't getting done just because either it's not your area or you can find someone where it's, that's their expertise. So that's a good place to start. Basically, like I said, I could recommend, you know, content EAs or admin assistants and everything like that, but it really depends on what the needs are for your business and your own expertise. Got you. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just thought I'd ask. So you know a lot, like you're clearly crushing it on the entrepreneurial journey, right? You're doing some fantastic things. So what's some books you would recommend? I typically don't ask about books, but what's some books you'd recommend? You said you were a bookworm. I think I've read like 15 books so far this year already. So I just finished one actually right before this. <laughs> what? Yes. A few books that I read or recommend E-Myth by Michael Gerber. That's like that changed my mindset from employee to entrepreneur mindset so fast. It was a weird struggle for me of like, how do I think about it in this way? That book changed a lot of it. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie got me out of my introvert shell. I'm still an introvert, but at least I know how to act like an extrovert. Uh, <laughs> and even that book and The Alchemist for Fiction, just because like it's, I remember reading that book and my brain was just like, ah, this is how I can think about the universe. Okay, got it. So yeah, those three books. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, as an introvert, do you find it difficult to be an entrepreneur? Yes and no, because there's things where because I'm an introvert, I can I love thinking by myself, like not being surrounded by people because I can get drained out so fast if I do. But also like it makes it that support makes it easier. It's like it, I'm comfortable with being alone. I'm comfortable with like thinking things through. But for the no part, like it took me a while to switch to that, like, oh, I need to be there for people. Okay, how do I do that? So like figuring that out step by step of like how to show up for people, that was a little bit of a struggle versus people who are, you know, extroverts and like, oh, I can do this, I can do that. It took me a while, especially since I did start managing people at like 20 of how to do that, how, what that picture looks like, given that I've never had a manager before. I've only you know, worked with clients one-on-one. -on -one. So it was a struggle, but it's possible. Clearly you're crushing it. So it's definitely possible. So how do you like to recharge? Reading, <laughs> reading or having quiet nights where I'm just like tuning into what about TV shows or a movie, whatever's coming on. That's kind of usually, or I solo travel. Like I will actually like get on a bus, not know where I'm going, but then on the way I'm booking the hotel and booking where I'm going to go. But that's one of the ways that I fully recharge is like solo travel somewhere. I've probably never been and just letting people know that, Hey, I'm safe. This is my location, uh, but I'm good. <laughs> No, I love that. What's your favorite place that you've been so far? Favorite place for solo traveling has always, like, I really want to go back to Taiwan so bad because Taiwan had the food, had the transportation, had the cheap, found, like, tried to, like, $10 per night capsule hotel that was super cool and futuristic looking. 
but like yeah Taiwan has a special place in my heart of like a place that I want to go back to even though I've traveled in other countries before but it's that place that has a little special place in my heart and that's on my list I've never even thought about Taiwan especially ten dollars a night for a hotel that's cool I'm, I'm all for it so I'll, I'll let you know how it goes when I get there I'll ask you for some suggestions <laughs> all right yeah for sure yeah, thank you. Thank you. So we're wrapping up uh, the episode, but I got to ask you three questions that I ask every guest. We're hitting our by design segment. So the first question, first and foremost, are you ready? Yeah. All right. That's one, right? So first question. Nope, that didn't count. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what has been the hardest part for you about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? Being, it's a solitude. Like the, sometimes I would, forget that I've made this mistake before where I would confuse being a friend versus being a boss. And because of that, there's been a lot of like lonely times of like, no one will understand this, what I'm going through. Yes, I have mentors. I have amazing coaches and consultants that I work with, but there's still that underlying loneliness. So I think I struggle with that from time to time. So when I see other people struggle with that, which makes me less lonely. So it helps. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that too. Number two is, what is the best lesson you've learned from your entrepreneurial journey? You're never starting from scratch. There's always someone who's learned it, someone who's gone through it that you can ask from, you can get advice from, and you are on your own, but that doesn't mean that there's not an army of other people who've gone through it that who can't help you. I love that one. Number three, what are three tools or tips that you'd recommend for someone scaling their business? Oh, a good one. On the tips. Find a team who would help you get there. It's that solitude was a big part of when I was starting to exceed. I didn't know how to build a team, how that looked like for me. I knew how to do it with other people, but not for me. So that was a lot of figuring out. Uh, but when you have the right team, that's like the ultimate productivity hack because you get so much done without you doing it. And the second one is I'm in love with Notion. Just like I, you know, I'm hoping for one of these days that Notion reaches out to me for sponsorship for each of or something, just because like I, all of our clients, I somehow will get into Notion, even though they're using a whole other system, just because it's an amazing tool for me. I guess another productivity hack is taking a break. Like people underestimate. I'm a very much a middle child of the hustle culture and the quiet culture, because you need both. You need, you know, sometimes in your life, you need to hustle, you need to, you know, stay up until 1130 p.m. your time doing a podcast episode, just because that's the focus that you're at. And sometimes you need like, hey, I'm ending my day at 4 p.m. I'm really ending it earlier than anyone else because I need this rest to recuperate and get back to where I want to be. So it's that of like keeping in mind that you can't keep pushing. There has to be a point where you have to go back to yourself and rest. Absolutely. I agree. There is a law of diminishing returns. If you keep pushing, eventually something's going to stop you, right? Hit that wall. So no, thank you for sharing those. It's been a pleasure and an honor having you on as a guest today, Leanne. And how can people find you? Well, I'm everywhere. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on YouTube, Instagram, everywhere else. It's all the same username for me, but LinkedIn is probably the best bet. Awesome. Okay. What's your, and it's your name, I'm assuming? Yes. Leanne Lailakaba. It's straight without the dash. All right. Perfect. Perfect. We'll have that in the show notes. So check her out, connect with her. And if you need a VA, look for her and look no further. She has a team of them. All right. All right, Leanne. Well, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time and I look forward to all the amazing things you are doing. Keep ascending. Thanks, Ron. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. 
To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening. 